We reject the ideology of globalism, and we embrace the doctrine of patriotism. Not only will this tax plan pay for itself, but it will pay down debt. There are moral and legal obligation questions that I think we'll have to wrestle with as a society. When we as people go wobbly on the truth, we go wobbly on America. All you have to do is look at the numbers, look at what we've done. And this is only the beginning. everyone you're tuned into 100.9 fm wxir in rochester this is evidence of design we critique income and wealth inequality on the show there's too many folks who are too wealthy out there in society not as a product of their hard work but because of the way the economic system is set up to extract money from most americans and give it to the wealthiest we believe that society should be reorganized, new policies should be passed to move wealth from the wealthiest individuals down to, well, share the wealth with most other folks in this country, too. Share the load. Share the load, as Samwise Gamgee would say. My name is Jason Taylor, host of Evidence of Design. Let's do the roll call here. Um, Matt Treadwell. Hi, it's Matt. Mary Lawrence. Good morning. All right, 100% attendance. What's going on, folks? We are live in WXIR studios. That means you can give us a buzz, 585-219-8889. Hear that again, 585-219-8889. We are also live streaming on WXIR's Facebook page, and you can also stay in touch with us on our social media handles, Radio EOD. What could you participate on today? Well, today we are talking about proposals in the New York State Legislature to raise taxes on the wealthiest New Yorkers. We're talking about ultra-millionaires and billionaires in New York State. There are, proposal, there are several proposals to do things like this, and they are consolidated as one example in what's known as the Invest in Our New York Act. This is currently in the New York State Legislature and includes things such as uh, having more of a progressive income tax, increasing the capital gains tax, increasing the tax on inherited income and wealth, increasing the taxes on billionaires, increasing the taxes on the biggest corporations, and instituting a financial transaction tax. All said, if the Invest in Our New York Act passes, it's projected to raise up to $50 billion in revenue for New York State. That would, in theory, trickle down to all of us by investing in social services, public infrastructure, affordable housing, green energy, uh, fully funding public schools, health care, all of the things that governments use money for to support society. We are in strong support of a bill such as the Invest in Our New York Act. We think it should be made a social priority and it should happen. We're going to talk about that act for the rest of today's show. Again, you can participate with us, 585-219-8889. It's really hard to talk with a mask on. I, <laughs> I haven't gotten used to this yet. I, it's like running a marathon. It's fun. So, 
It's a it's a big shift from podcasting at home, basically. Yeah, it's a big shift. So uh, the, the background here, why is this important, is because we know that COVID-19 has both created and exacerbated economic hardship for millions of New Yorkers. People are facing more material precarity, not knowing if they're going to be evicted, how to make their rent, how to buy food, facing uh, you know job loss, reduced hours. So much has been exposed by COVID-19 that, well, most folks know was there for economic hardship in society, but now it's really been laid bare. Also, New York State faces a $15 billion budget shortfall this year that's expected to, to grow to $60 billion if current trends continue. What this means is it's not just, oh no, the government's in debt, we should slash social spending. It means that it's going to affect us. If the government has less money to spend, social services will be cut too. Public employees will be cut too. So this is a problem. There are possible solutions to our dire straits, right? There are possible solutions to saying, how can we reimagine our society to solve some of the crises both created by and exposed by COVID-19? And how can we close our budget deficit? On the one hand, Governor Andrew Cuomo hopes to get $15 billion in federal aid from the $1.9 trillion uh, relief act that is currently being proposed by Democrats in the federal government and Joe Biden. I'm sure we've seen that in the news. There's uh, $1,400 checks going out to Americans. That's sort of anticipated. There's expanded unemployment benefits, expanded food stamp benefits, and other things in that nature. Also included for the first time since COVID-19 relief has been started would be relief to local and state governments. So this would mean that New York State, among other states, could get relief from the federal government. $15 billion is what Cuomo hopes to get if you've been paying attention, that happens to align with the New York State budget shortfall of $15 billion. So Cuomo is essentially hoping to be bailed out by the federal government to meet New York's budget deficit. If we do not get that $15 billion, Cuomo has said that he is interested in the idea of raising taxes on the top income earners in New York to raise a few billion dollars. It would not be raising taxes to the extent in the Invest in Now New York Act, but he says that, look, if we don't get the federal aid, we're going to raise the top taxes. The problem with this solution proposed by Governor Cuomo is that it just puts a Band-Aid on the wound. If New York State gets $15 billion from the federal government, it closes the budget deficit right now, but it doesn't solve any of the structural issues that were here for years, even before COVID-19. For instance, New York State already had an affordable housing crisis before COVID-19. New York State already had hundreds of thousands of residents facing material precarity, lack of housing, uncertain economic conditions before COVID-19. It also doesn't solve the issue of how to continue these. Well, I, I think that's what you're getting at, but it doesn't solve how to face these issues in the future. Right. There's, it's just, again, the band-aid on the wound where you get billed out now, we, we kick the can down the road until the next fiscal crisis happens, and it's just not structurally sound. So, you know, all for New York State getting federal relief. I think state and local government relief should happen. I think a lot of that relief should go to New York. But we also need to raise taxes on the wealthiest individuals, too. That, at least, is our belief on evidence of design on 100.9 FM WXIR.
Do you know how the uh, $15 billion shortfall came about? Is it just like loss of tourism during COVID or, or what? It's several things. I think New York State has been in a, a budget crisis for, for a long time. Uh, a big part of it has been uh, lowered income taxes. Governments across the entire country are really suffering from this, local and state governments. And so I think it's a decrease in tax revenue and also an, uh, an increase in spending during COVID-19. So New York State, I think we spent over a billion dollars at least on like personal protective equipment and ventilators and all of those things in the pandemic. And that's what Cuomo has been arguing is like, look, New York was hit the hardest first. We were hit before anywhere else got hit. And we had to respond the quickest and most aggressively to the virus, which cost us a lot more money than it cost other places. That wasn't our fault as New York, because again, we just happened to get hit first and we didn't know what was really going on. And that's because New York City is the you know, largest metropolitan area in the United States with tons of people coming and going, which is a great place for a virus to spread. And so he argues New York State should also get the most aid from the federal government because we were sort of uh, you know, hit first and hardest and it wasn't really our fault. So, you know, all for that, but again, it doesn't fix any of the structural issues in our society where corporations and the wealthiest have been essentially been incentivized by our government to uh, get off with a ton of money and political power for a long time. And we argue that some of that money should go to, well, everyone else <laughs> to benefit society and reduce inequality and expand social services. So let's take a look now at what is in the invest in our New York Act. You can find more about this act at investinourny.org. Again, investinourny.org. It's a series of bills being proposed by various New York State senators and assembly folks. We're going to start with the first one, which is expanding the progressive income tax. This has actually been proposed by Rochester's very own Demond Meeks. He was just elected this past, God, I don't even know what year it is anymore, 2021. He was <laughs> elected <laughs> this past election season in 2020. I think he took over David, longtime assembly person David Gant's seat. So uh, Demond Meeks, Rochester's very own, is proposing a expanded progressive income tax bill. This is really exciting, folks. How much would this change the current income tax rate? It would change it a lot. The best way to do this is to go to investinourny.org. You'll see each of the six bills that are in the act. And there's a graph on the progressive income tax page that shows you what the tax rates and brackets are now and what they would propose to go to in this tax bill. It's the best way to do it visually. It's hard to talk about taxes on the radio. But in short, this bill would start to increase taxes on those making $300,000 a year or more. So you're saying this wouldn't affect people who make less than $300,000 a year? Nope. Your taxes would not go up in this bill. For the vast majority of New Yorkers, those who make less than $300,000 a year, not talking about you. Taxes won't go up. Not talking about you. Only those making $300,000 a year or more. Let's say for those, you know, just in this bill, let's say for those who do make around, um, you know, let's say you make $400,000 a year or more. Right now, it looks like your top tax rate at that is, uh, is around 7.5%. looks like it might go up to like 7.8%. Not a huge deal, but it's a progressive tax, meaning as you make more and more money, the tax rates go up and up and up. That makes sense to me, right? That's sort of taxation 101, where the more you make, the more you should pay. And so 
Uh, when you get to the very, 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 very top of the bracket, that would cap out at a hundred million dollars a year. If you make a hundred million dollars or more a year, the tax rate would increase from what it is now from around nine percent, and it would jump up to fourteen percent. That actually, that still seems really low for that amount of money. Like fourteen percent of what one hundred million dollars is actually probably not noticeable for that person. Well, that's the thing, Mary. We might not be able to afford that eighth yacht. (laughs) Well, that's the thing whenever we talk about like raising taxes on the wealthiest is that we're talking about people who you could tax them at a 50% rate and they're still going to be millionaires. You know, you could tax someone who makes $100 million a year. They're still going to be a multimillionaire after you tax them (laughs) every year. And it's like, fine, right? Like you literally are fine. Your, Your material life literally doesn't change. Literally doesn't change at all. Like you go about your life still never having to worry about um, healthcare, cars, transportation, housing, anything, student loans. You know, you literally just go about your life as you would uh, whether you have $50 million or $100 million, right? Yeah. I mean, when we were looking at this earlier, I, you know, I saw a progressive tax bill and what it would increase from. And I was really surprised that that was the change. I was expecting it to be much, much higher. I also expected that it would start much higher, that it was more than 9% at the moment. Yeah. The bill, so although what you have to understand is that even small changes in the rate does make more money. So this bill is proposed to raise $15 billion mm-hmm. in, in just these, what could be seen as relatively small tax increases, although I'm sure many would look at this and say they're very large. It's all your, your, all your point of view. Long story short, we're talking about taxing folks who are already well financially secure. This taxation wouldn't bankrupt them, and they would fund social services. I think this is a great thing. Assembly member Demond Meeks proposed this, and you can learn more about it and invest in ourny.org. And the bills in the Senate are called S2622, and the Assembly A4604. Again, invest in ourny.org. Catchy. Yes. (laughs) So the progressive income tax increase would be, I think, very welcome. Let's talk now about the proposed capital gains tax. So the income tax that we were just talking about would only affect income. That's what you happen to make in a year for the vast majority of Americans, Matt, Mary, uh, you know, and myself here. We only make money through our labor. So we sell our time in the form of labor, and that's our income for the year. And our bodies. And our bodies, yeah, our health, our energy, our labor. So we do not have sort of sizable investments, if any investments at all, such that all of our income we make by our physical labor at jobs. And Unless that's, we get really lucky and win the lottery. Like, didn't you win $5 recently? I did. That was really exciting. Yeah. I got a, Someone gifted me a lottery ticket, and I won 5 bucks. I won't have to claim that on my taxes. Um, so, you know, the government was thinking about taking four of it, but uh, no. <laughs> so again, when we're talking about progressive taxation, it's not affecting folks like us at the table. You know, <laughs> yeah. Gambling's great. It's. Yeah, I think our society is just becoming sort of a gambling scheme. It's so exciting. <laughs> yeah, like uh, all the video game stuff and um, you know the, the GameStop stock stuff. It's really great. Um, it's really fun. We don't have health care, but we do have GoFundMe. Yes. <laughs> That's the... How de- how depressing is it, dude, that, like, every time something bad happens to someone, they have to, like, 
do public fundraising through GoFundMe. I actually think that the CEO of GoFundMe has been approaching that recently where they were like, you know, GoFundMe was started as a, a very different kind of resource and it has become a replacement for health insurance and it's not a replacement and right. uh it, it's kind of sad you know that he has to be the one to say hey you know this is a cool resource and a cool website but it was meant to like back your friends little ventures not back everyone's medical bills yeah you know not that i mean obviously people are using it because we have that hole but it's uh you know even the person who runs the company and is presumably making money off of it doesn't want it to be like this right i have uh you know i work at a, a local employer which is pretty sizable there's a lot of people who work for it and i uh get emails probably i don't know five or six times a year from colleagues who experience unfortunately you know family or personal tragedies and there's always gofundme set up for them and it's like um I, it's like gofundme is literally just like a a, a public financing of a, a poor people's public financing of poor people's problems. You know, that's like literally what it is. <laughs> it's just, I'm like, cool. The resource exists. I'm all for like social solidarity and people stepping in to help each other out. But like, we could just create a structure that does that. Yeah. We could just have like a healthcare system that does that already, you know? And so that's just funny. This is the world that, uh, relying on charity has created. Yeah. It's like, in, our future is just going to be, like you needing to go grocery shop and like setting up a GoFundMe and also just like, I don't know. Yeah, th that's basically what we're looking at here. But we're, we're getting ever so slightly off topic. Let's talk about the capital gains tax, which is so much more exciting than talking about GoFundMe. Uh, All right, yes. So, so uh, you know, where I was going was that progressive, uh, the progressive income tax was only talking about income. Now we're talking about capital gains. That's a fancy jargony word to say. This is money that someone makes off of their investments. So if you're stocks, bonds, other assets like that, that's capital gains. And so there is a bill in the Invest in Our NY Act that would increase the capital gains. I'm going to read to you some text from that bill. This is the justification for it. This is the text from the Senate Bill S2522. It reads, New York is an exceptionally wealthy state. Treated as a separate country, it would have one of the world's largest economies. With such a strong economy, all New Yorkers should have fundamental economic rights, access to high-quality education, affordable health care, guaranteed housing, and basic social services and social insurance. New York must also finance investments in green energy, green jobs, and green infrastructure in order to mitigate the catastrophic risks of climate change. Unfortunately, New York is also the most unequal state in the nation. In part, this is because of our tax system has not kept pace with the changes in the economy, leaving the many high-earning professionals and wealthy families in the state undertaxed. Economic growth from recent decades has overwhelmingly benefited a small segment of elites, while inflation-adjusted wages have stagnated for the vast majority of working people since the 1970s. You don't say. The state government, lacking adequate tax revenues, has been unable to afford essential public investments and social spending, including upgrading our infrastructure, repairing public housing, protecting public education, and financing Medicaid. Most people earn their income from working. Those able to save and invest can earn a little additional income from investing in stocks and bonds, though typically far less than they might earn in wages. 
For the wealthy, this situation is reversed. Wealthy people, by definition, have significant accumulated wealth. They can invest their wealth in stocks and bonds, real estate, art, and other assets that appreciate over time. These assets can be liquidated for cash or used to collateralize loans that finance personal consumption or further investment. The profits made from selling investment assets are known as capital gains. For many decades, the federal income tax has imposed a much lower tax rate on capital gains than on wage income. Often rationalized as an incentive for investment, it is one of the starkest examples of how federal tax policy openly favors the rich. In addition to the manifest unfairness of taxing investors less than workers, this tax handout deprives the federal government of desperately needed revenue. New York can respond to regressive federal tax policy. When the federal government gives a handout to the wealthy or the big corporations, New York should counteract it. There is no need to artificially separate state and federal governance. When the federal government forfeits tax revenues, New York can recover them. By imposing this additional tax on capital gains, New York can raise significant additional revenue, reduce economic inequality, and bring us closer to a fair and just tax system. So again, that was a quote from the justification part of the Senate Bill S-2522 that would propose to raise capital gains taxes in the Invest in Our NY Act bill proposal. It's good stuff there. Stuff we talked about on the show before. And, uh, you know, raising capital gains would only affect, again, the wealthiest of individuals. It sounds like a good thing to me. But what about all the billionaires that'll leave our state if we raise taxes? Oh, Matt, what a brilliant counter-argument. What if all of the wealthy people leave New York because we're going to tax them out of the state? Won't we actually lose money overall if we force the wealthy to leave? Doesn't that sound a lot like us being held ransom by wealthy people saying, don't you think about taxing me? Otherwise, I'm leaving. It sounds almost like we're being held hostage. You know, I hadn't thought about it that way, actually. That's a good point. Yeah, I didn't come up with that. It's not like we tax them anything anyway. Your roommate told me that this morning. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) But it's it's well said. No, it is. It is. Absolutely. (laughs) It's definitely a threat, and it's a threat that we can't do that much about, even though the people who are not in this wealthy bracket are much a much larger population than the wealthy uh as we've talked about it on the show many 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 times they obviously have phenomenally more political power because of the amount of money that they can barter with basically so here's the thing folks if the wealthy are holding us ransom by threatening to leave the state if they don't pay taxes do you if remember, we make them pay taxes. If, if, yeah, if we make them pay taxes. Do you remember a certain billionaire New York media mogul and real estate <laughs> investor? Do you remember that guy who he lived who in New York City who became president and didn't pay taxes for decades anyways? Do you remember that guy who moved to Florida? Hmm. Now he's no longer a <laughs> New, res- New York State resident who moved to Florida. Remember how he didn't pay taxes anyways? Oh, Donald Trump? We're talking about Donald Trump? Oh, okay. So, yeah, it's like the stupidest argument ever, right? Because they don't pay taxes anyways. They hide their wealth in offshore accounts 
or they just break the law. The wealthy are already doing that anyways. Look at Donald Trump, right? And I know Donald Trump isn't the picture of every wealthy person, but like... Well, most of them. That's, that's where it is, folks. It's like the stupidest argument. And Governor Cuomo says it all the time. Oh, we can't raise taxes. Sorry, he speaks much slower. We can't raise taxes because I'm a practical man because the wealthy will leave the state. You know, it's like the stupidest argument ever. It's just really kind of a boring argument. And it, I, I mean, what else are you going to do when they're the ones who are funding all of your campaign? <laughs> like, yeah. So, so here's the thing. So, you know, uh, just a reminder, you're tuned into Evidence of Design. I'm 100.9 FM, WXIR in Rochester. Uh, let me give some intellectual credence to this argument. Matt, you're saying you're what you bring, you bring up a fair question that's brought up a lot in New York state. Well, I don't think so, but <laughs> we'll run with it. Can we increase taxes on the wealthy? Well, I don't think so. Cause they're going to leave the state if they do, and we'll make less revenue overall. Cause we won't have them as someone to tax anyways. So according to Bloomberg news, this is just one article. According to Bloomberg, uh, the, in New York city alone, apparently the wealthiest 1% of income earners pay about 43% of the city's income taxes. So the wealthiest 1% of income earners in New York City pay around 43% of the city's income taxes. And you could then look at that statistic and say, wow, the wealthy already are paying their fair share. Their 1% is paying 43% of the city's income taxes. That's a lot for 1% to carry, right? And so why would we want to tax them anymore? They're already doing so much more than their burden, right? Yeah, how much money those, those people have. So exactly, Matt. Here's the thing. Let's look at the numbers in a different angle. Same numbers, though. Ready? The top 1% of New Yorkers reported a combined $133 billion in income in 2018. Remember that 43% of the city's taxes that are funded by the 1% was? Remember I just mentioned that? The 43% of the taxes that are paid is just $5 billion from those folks. The top 1% of New Yorkers took in $133 billion in income, and they paid $5 billion in taxes. That's nothing. That's less than 20%. Right. And so it depends on how you look at the number, of course. So, yeah, as a percentage, as a percentage, the wealthy pay a lot in taxes. But that's because as a percentage, they have so much more money than anyone else. When you compare like the median wage in the United States, let's say $50,000 to a billionaire, it is unfathomable how <laughs> that was a well pronunciation. Unfathomable. <laughs> 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 Richard Nixon. <laughs> it is unfathomable how um, <laughs> how much more money they have. So yeah, it's um, it's really incredible. So the argument doesn't hold up. Uh, if if you increase taxes on the wealthy, there are going to still be billionaires and millionaires, right? We already covered that. Um, if they leave the state, they're just going to move to like Florida, which is going to be underwater in fifteen years, anyways. Like Mar-a-Lago will literally be underwater in twenty years. So, and, and they're not even paying taxes to begin with anyways. So um, it's a dumb argument. I, I, I don't recommend, uh, you know, listening to that argument because it's about making sure that we have a society that funds social services. It's also like, I mean, wealthy people are going to have the means to leave 
anytime they want to, yeah. you know, and no one else does. So we might as well make it a better place for the majority of people to live. What I would love to see is for New York to raise the taxes so the wealthy people leave and then have whatever state they go to raise the taxes and have it just keep happening until every state in the United States has high wealth taxes. And then either they have to pay them or leave the country. And at that point, like, they can leave. eh. They well, could do that anyway, so whatever. Yeah, that phenomenon you just described, Mary, is called a race to the bottom. It happens in international economics. It happens in domestic economics. The idea that you're always just going to find a place that is more favorable for your economics. Totally. That, that's why we have no manufacturing jobs in the United States I'm anymore. going to bring that up. Yeah, it's why we have no manufacturing jobs. Why? Because did Democrats kill them? No, because corporate leaders were like, I can pay people one fiftieth of what I pay them in the U.S. if I go to China. It's called a race to the bottom. And so, you know, can we do much about that on an international sense? Sure, there are some things we can do, but you can't, you know, make China uh, pay its workers more. Well, we can do that locally, you know. Will, will, will wealthy people move to Florida? I don't know. Some of them might. <laughs> but, like, no. Like, they live in New York City because it's the, it's the biggest metropolitan area in the United States with the, with the best cuisine and art scene and you know, connections and power, like they're not going to Montana uh, randomly because we raise their taxes. They live in New York because they want to live in New York. They already own multiple homes. They're all going to move to Neom. <laughs> yeah, to Neom in <laughs> Saudi Arabia, right? They already own multiple homes anyways. So it, it's, it's a stupid argument for so many reasons. I know we spent a lot of time on this, but uh, I just I hope we can deconstruct that for folks because it just doesn't make sense. The also, fe- just don't go to bat for billionaires. They don't need your help. Totally. Yeah. I mean, stop. They're we need fine. To- we need to stop being held hostage by them, by the idea that like, their threat that they're going to leave us. It's like, go for it, dude. You know, <laughs> go for it. And so there are other things in this Invest in Our NY Act that we're talking about on Evidence of Design on 100.9 FM WXAR. We've covered a proposal to increase the income taxes. We've covered a proposal to increase the capital gains taxes. Then there's some other things as well. There is an heirs tax. This goes by other names like the estate tax, or conservatives call it the death tax, which is also the the stupidest thing ever. I I know I'm using that phrase a lot, and it's pretty pejorative and perhaps mean for for public radio, but uh, for grassroots radio, but it's just it's really what it is. So the idea of the estate tax, the heirs tax, or the death tax is that if you're someone who's incredibly wealthy and you die, your presumably whoever you have in your will, you know, your let's say your family member will get your assets. Could be your house, could be your stocks, could be your bonds, could be your fancy Van Gogh paintings or whatever, you know? So it could be whatever your assets are. Some of that gets taxed. Uh, In the United States, we have a notoriously low estate tax or heirs tax, meaning that wealthy people who die end up essentially giving all of their wealth to their family. It's an intergenerational transfer of wealth such that your best shot of being wealthy in the United States as opposed to working hard and doing the American dream, is just by being born in a wealthy family. It's like a traditional aristocracy. Totally. Or a hereditary nobility. Yeah, it's feudalism. And that was like the whole reason of going through the Enlightenment and all of the so-called democratic, uh, you know, well, actually democratic uh, restructuring that society went through centuries ago was that we want to get rid of intergenerational transfers of wealth and make it so that people can, by their own sweat of their brow, become successful. That, that was the idea. And so still, though, the intergenerational transfer of wealth happens. It's not the, the point of the wealth tax 
<clears throat> or the heirs tax or the estate tax is not to bankrupt the children of wealthy people. It's not saying you deserve, you know, if you're thinking of a monopoly game board, it's not saying you should start from scratch with no money. They probably should. It'd probably be good for them. It's character building. You know, they've had everything handed to them all their lives. Yeah, I mean, we we could design a society that way, right? It wouldn't be that hard to say you. It's by law you are not able to get any inheritance from your parents. We could design a society that way. We totally could if we wanted to, where every single person starts off on a clean slate. I mean, those are the values that they profess to live by. Totally. Yeah. I mean, you're absolutely right, Matt. Kelly Loeffler again, who was former senator, says, "I I started from nothing. I worked my way up to being a billionaire." Sure. You know. So we could live in a society like that, but instead we've chosen. Uh, ostensibly at least, that we have inheritances because it should deserve to be in the family's hard work. Uh, and so the idea is that you'll get a lot of your parents' success. And of course, this really mostly applies to white families who yep. have intergenerational wealth and just continues to propagate or perpetuate, you know, this inequality and, you know, I was, I was looking at this earlier as well and, and thinking about how this is such a good argument for reparations. And that doesn't, I mean, obviously that doesn't come into this as a, as a tax argument. Um, but looking at how much inequality is, you know, continued through these inheritances is just, it just seems to further the argument for reparations. Right. That's a, that's a great point, Mary, the social justice aspect and the racial aspect as well. According to the, the bill, Senate Bill S3462, that proposes to have an increased heirs tax. Right now in New York, apparently the estate tax ranges from 5% to 16% and only kicks into estates worth $5.85 million or more. So if you are lucky enough to be the son or daughter of someone who owns a home worth or you know has assets worth more than essentially six million dollars guess what you're still gonna be at least a five million dollar heir because the estate tax ranges from five to sixteen percent and so it would propose to raise that to raise more money for the social services that benefit everyone and those people can still go on their lives to be millionaires sounds like a great thing it does yeah there are a few other uh, bills in the Invest in Our NY package. We're talking about that on Evidence of Design on 100.9 FM WXIR on Saturday, February 27th, 2021. The next bill is the billionaire's tax. So not only did we talk about the progressive income tax earlier, but this would be a special tax on New York's billionaires. There are 120 billionaires in New York State collectively worth over $600 billion. Remember, the, the, the budget deficit of the entire state of New York this year is $15 billion. These 120 people are worth more than $600 billion. Their wealth alone last month during the pandemic in just four months, March through June, increased by over $77 billion because many of these wealthiest people are owners of you know massive corporations, massive companies, and many of which have done very well in the pandemic, while normal everyday folks have done very bad. And so this proposal would have a special tax on billionaires to help to raise revenue that way. But you to know, be fair, Jason, 
What's that, Matt? Two billion of those seventy-seven billion dollars probably had to go to taxes by the end of the year. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, to be fair, I'm all for corporate profits and wealthy profits because you got to keep bit. the economy chugging. Yes, <laughs> you got to keep it going. Competition. <laughs> I'm really curious. So I I don't know the exact number off the top of my head of how many people lost their jobs through the pandemic, but it's a lot. And I'm just curious uh, now hearing that number of how how much more money billionaires made, just these 120 billionaires made in four months of the pandemic. I'm curious to see the comparison of how much money was lost or potential money was lost by all of those people who lost their jobs just out of curiosity. Cause I don't even know if it would be that much, you know, yeah. I don't know if it would even reach that amount of money Totally, because we're all making like under 30 K a year, you know? Yeah. yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, uh, the argument to all the thing about all of this is like, it's not a black or white situation where it's not just take from rich, give to poor, we all feel better about ourselves. I it's like th- that, though. Yeah, that, I mean... That really speaks to me. I, I'm all for that, too, on, like, a blanket moral sense where the where the rich will still be rich and, like, their lives will still be just as plentiful as they have now and the poor's lives will be better. I'm, like, a cosmic... <laughs> on a cosmic, moral... That's just good karma. ...religious, philosophical, human being sense. That, that makes sense to me, but... The, the thing you have to understand is that it's not just that, that we all feel better about ourselves, black or white, take from rich, give to poor. It's that when the vast majority of Americans have better material lives, meaning are able to spend more money and not have to put a burden on the social safety net system and put a burden on the healthcare system by not being insured and put a burden on, on everything else in society, increasing crime, increasing incarceration rates, which aren't productive at all. You know, uh, when everyone has more money to spend and is better off, everyone else benefits from the economy. Everyone else benefits because 70% of the U.S. economy is made up of consumer spending. Uh, I mean, if you were actually interested in growing the economy, you wouldn't let anybody grow up in poverty. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, totally. I mean, all these talks about needing to increase the economy and competition and all that stuff, it all goes right out the window when you look at the policies that the leaders espouse, especially Republicans. It just makes no sense. The economy is being hamstrung by inequality. There's so many reports out there, so many economists who say that our economy, our GDP, if you care about that stuff, would be growing by so much more if there weren't so much inequality. Inequality is killing us. Well, we can we can look at other countries who are doing this. It's not like the United States is the only country in the world that exists, you know? Yep. There are It's the only one that matters though. <laughs> <laughs> to a lot of people, sure, but you know, there are valid examples to look at in real time of nations who have better social safety nets and better programs and less inequality who are doing better. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they're, they're, the US, um, U.S. life expectancy declined last year, largely, I think, to thanks COVID. To, to COVID. Yeah. But it's also been stagnant, if not slightly declining, especially for white males for, um, for, for a while now. You know, and that, and that's because of the de- desiccation of, of sort of middle class, working class jobs and uh, and culture, where more people are turning to things like gambling, like we talked about earlier, but also substance abuse, a suicide, and, and things like that, because um, our culture has been hollowed out by corporate profits and greed. Well, yeah, people don't have things to live for. No, yeah, I mean, you know, the the Nietzsche theory of God is dead. Like that's like a really useful phrase. You know, it's not. It's not like we've all become atheists and no one cares about 
society anymore. In fact, there's there's a study that just came out that said atheists are actually uh, more compassionate than than folks who do follow an organized religion uh, because they tend to believe actually more in things like human collaboration and even. community yeah and community like because they don't believe in god then like they believe that the only way we get through this hellhole on earth is by collaborating together you know that's just one study i'm not saying anyone who's atheist or anyone who's religious is bad i'm just saying like it just i'm, I'm breaking down the notion that atheists happen to be uh you know socially or culturally bankrupt well, I'm an atheist, and I only believe in austerity policies. So. Right, and that's why you're on the show, Matt, so you can have the, the corporate perspective. So I can provide a different viewpoint. <laughs> right. Every week we just have you give a different perspective that you're not qualified to give. I think last week you gave us the, the perspective from Texas. I, I resent that. I am very qualified. Um, as a self-made uh, trillionaire, I, I have uh, extensive experience in investing and stocks and taxes. And what do you have a trillion of, Matt? Um, Gamer points? Yeah. <laughs> Xbox achievement points. <laughs> the, the only thing that matters in modern society are, are karma on Reddit, our likes on Instagram, or I don't even know if Instagram has likes, but... I'm very wealthy in um, uh, uh, Steam points. <laughs> uh, in Call of Duty credits, I have a lot. I can buy new um, online skins. Well, those guys are actually very wealthy. Yeah, they, they are. So... <laughs> that's why we have you here man so you can give us the the alternative perspectives <laughs> it's uh it's good stuff i don't remember what we were talking about but there's two other things in the invest in our ny act that we should cover in our last five minutes on evidence of design at 100.9 fm wxir really quickly uh, we just covered the billionaires tax there's also a corporate tax proposal this would essentially reverse the 2017 tax cuts and jobs act it would make new york have corporate tax rates that would uh, effectively tax companies to the old 35% as opposed to the new 21%. So as long as the federal corporate tax rate is lower than 35%, New York's corporate tax rate would pick up the difference so that it would make out to 35%. That's a cool proposal. There's another proposal. The last one is the financial transaction tax. Senator Bernie Sanders on the campaign trail for president has talked about this a while. Uh, New York Stock Exchange is one of the only... Uh, you know, major stock exchanges on the on the world that doesn't have a tax on financial transactions. Those in Hong Kong and London, two major financial centers, do tax financial transactions. And so by instituting a tax on financial transactions, it could raise billions of dollars a year too. That seems like a, a really good idea and such a no-brainer because in that way, you're already taxing people who have more money who are literally just trying to get more money so why not and it's literally gambling the stock yeah. market is like literally gambling yeah absolutely and it's something that i mean you know you could argue that it's free market and whatever <laughs> so it seems like something everyone could get on board with it's just that the reality of it is that people who don't have a lot of money simply don't have the capital to no. put into the stock market so it would end up that it is only a tax on wealthy people yeah am i gonna am i gonna pay my rent this month or am i gonna buy stocks <laughs> you know should i go Think carefully into, about that uh, should i invest in gamestop stocks or uh buy food uh, you know, like, come on come on we could we could do a financial transaction tax so anyways folks this show was all about talking about the invest in our new york act you can learn more read it for yourself at invest in our ny.org invest in our ny 
Org. It's a series of bills being proposed by several members of the New York State Assembly and Senate to pass things such as a progressive income tax, increase capital gains tax, increase the heirs or estate tax, institute a billionaire's tax, raise the corporate tax, and establish a tax on financial transactions. I think these are all cool things that we could do as a society. Remember, in New York State, we have a Democratic governor. We have a Democratic-controlled Senate <laughs> and <theory>. legislature. <laughs> and so uh, what is standing in our way from doing these things? Well, I haven't looked into the nitty-gritty details of you know specifically how they would pass. I think some of them might even need an amended state constitution. Some might re- require conservative Republican support, which... Um, I mean, the only thing that conservatives seem to support these days are uh, killing us as fast as possible. Surely it couldn't be that Cuomo hates labor rights and unions and teachers and any other forms of, uh, you know, organized uh, advocation for one's individual material interests. Yeah, but he'll put up like a a gay rights flag outside of Amazon or something, you know, so that's all. You know. (laughs) Neoliberalism. He's very, uh, he's very supportive of uh, of uh, minority communities and and women especially. Right, absolutely. Uh, one one way to to actually be supportive of of minor, uh, you know marginalized communities is by increasing their material well being, and you can do that through some of these bills. I think so. Invest in rny.org. Cool place to learn more. Otherwise, we thank you for tuning in to Evidence of Design on one hundred point nine FM. WXIR in Rochester. We always try to bring an alternative voice to some of the mainstream political media by staunchly advocating for more progressive, if not socialistic policies that we think would fundamentally reshape our society to be better uh, in both economic and social justice grounds. You can find our past episodes anywhere you get your podcasts or on YouTube by searching for the Evidence of Design YouTube channel. You can also stay in touch with us throughout the week at our email handle radio eod at gmail.com or anywhere on social media facebook and twitter radio eod that of course stands for radio evidence of design that's us i was your host jason taylor drunk my good friends and co-hosts we should do the uh, roll call again um matt treadwell be good uh, mary lawrence be well hey 100 percent attendance thanks for tuning in folks be well be safe take care And bye-bye.